Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. It's a great day to be alive. The uh, sun is shining, the birds are singing, and so I am thankful for those things. Today we're back to the Old Testament. Uh, I mentioned before in our devotionals that our journey to the empty tomb of Easter will involve a back and forth between the Old and New Testaments as a way of touching on some of the great themes of Scripture and seeing how they both revolve around Jesus and resolve in him. We've seen John connect the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 to the coming of Jesus as he saw it in chapter 1 of his gospel. We've come to know God's great plans for humanity, namely that people were designed to share a special relationship with him, to enjoy his favor and affection and protection and provision as they trusted him and remained faithful to him. We also saw that all of that fell apart in Adam and Eve and how their disobedience resulted in disconnection from God, what we have come to understand as the condition of sin. Uh, they were sent out of the garden uh, to never return. And yet God had a rescue plan from that very moment, a plan to save humanity by, by bringing a new humanity in his son, Jesus. At his baptism, Jesus received the identity and the blessing from his father that had been destined for all people. But unlike them, he remained in it even when his circumstances during his temptation of the desert gave him reason to doubt it. And as he remained in God's word to him, he remained connected to the Father in the Spirit, and he moved with power into a world desperate for relief. Today, as we again shift uh, to the Old Testament and look at the life of Moses, I encourage you to keep your spiritual eyes and ears tuned to the relationship between fear and faith. I know you know this already, but just as a reminder, in simple terms, faith is believing without seeing. The picture of faith for me is always that of sitting down in a chair. We all do it without thinking for a moment uh, that the chair might not hold our weight. Yet without empirical study, without what some people would call scientific reason, we can't prove that it will. We believe, even though we don't know for sure. So with all that as our backdrop and with this idea of fear and faith in mind, let's jump in and let's do so uh, with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you uh, for the great weather, for your beautiful creation and uh, we thank you that you accept us right where we are. Um, each of us is on a different journey and we're at different spots in our spiritual journey and maybe even what we believe about you, about Jesus. Um, but I thank you that you allow us to come anyway, to open our minds, to open our hearts, to ask questions um, and to be open to whatever it is that you have for us today. And so we pray that you'll speak, pray that you'll speak clearly and we ask it in Jesus's name. Amen. So today I'm going to read Exodus chapter 1 all the way through Exodus chapter 2, verse 4. 
These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sifra and Pua, When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the women before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy, boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Before we begin reading, I encourage you to listen for the relationship between fear and faith. Did you catch it? As far as I could tell, we, we saw it play out in several ways in this account. First, we saw it in the Egyptian king, Pharaoh. Th throughout chapter 1, we read that he chose to oppress the Hebrew people based on what he couldn't see about the future. His beliefs couldn't be proven for certain, and yet he acted as if he was absolutely certain about them. There's a lie in our modern Western culture that some people live uh, by faith and other people live by reason, but I don't see faith as reserved for only religious people. Many philosophers, including modern ones, would affirm that beliefs can rest on both faith and reason, and in fact, uh, often flow from a combination of those two. Using our earlier example, we sit down in chairs um, with the confidence that comes from both faith and reason. We, we have a lifetime of examples that give us plenty of reason to believe that the next chair will hold our weight, 
but we rest on our faith and not scientific study when we take a seat. Pharaoh thought that he was acting reasonably based on what he could see of the Hebrew people, based on their ongoing population growth, and perhaps what he knew of a world when the minority becomes the majority and people realize that revolution is possible. But he was also acting in faith, the faith that if he controlled his present circumstances, he could determine his future. It seems to me that he was heavily motivated by fear, specifically fear of being overtaking, of losing his power and authority. His fear and his faith created a toxic mix in his life and resulted in the oppression of innocent people. An all too familiar storyline that has played out countless times in human history and continues to be a sad reality in our world today. We also saw fear and faith in the lives of the Hebrew midwives. Their fear was opposite of Pharaoh's, though. He, He feared people, but the text tells us that they feared God. His fear of people caused him to destroy life. Their fear of God caused them to preserve it. His faith about the future was based on what was within his power. But their faith about the future was based on what was within God's power. In a similar but slightly different way, Moses' parents illustrated the dynamic that exists between fear and faith. Their fear was based on what would happen to their son if he fell into the wrong hands. I mean, stop for a minute. Can you imagine what it would have been like to keep a baby alive for three months in the ancient world without anyone knowing? What would you do when his crying broke the dead silence of the night? Or you're trying to take care of him, feed him, change his diaper, whatever. How could you do that while you lived among locals who knew the law of the national government? It must have been stress on top of stress every day of their lives. The text doesn't tell us exactly what his mother's intentions were for putting Moses in a basket along the riverbank, but she believes it was a better option than him being found by Pharaoh. She didn't know the future of her baby, but she had faith that working behind the scenes to protect him was better than waiting until her secret got out. I think this relationship between fear and faith is incredibly relevant for us today, wherever we find ourselves in life now. We all experience fear. The question is, do we fear the right things? We all have faith in something. The question is, do we have faith in the right thing? I'm not aware of a a nation on earth that completely aligns with the teachings and the ways of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I can guarantee you that there will be a moment when the culture around you challenges your faith. There may be a law, but probably more likely in a place like the United States, there will be a societal norm that if you align yourself with it, will cause you to disobey the Lord. And my bet is that it will probably be in the area of money, sex, or power. The pharaohs of our world will demand that you buy more and have more to really be something. Jesus said that whoever loses their life for his sake 
be the ones who find it. Those pharaohs will tell you that everyone has sexual desires and it's just the healthy thing to do to indulge them. The Apostle Paul said, well, yeah, it is true. You can do anything, but not everything is good for you. There are things that will destroy you if you give in to them. And lastly, the world honors Hollywood celebrities and sports icons, 20-something billionaires and, and teenage YouTubers. But Jesus taught his followers to pick up your cross and die daily, and that whoever is last will be first. I, I know some of us haven't made a decision about Jesus yet, and so this word may not be for you. But for those of us who have come to know him as Savior and Lord, we must be honest that we have to face our fears and wrestle with our faith every single day. So again, I ask, what or who are you afraid of? And in what or in whom is your faith? The great news is that in Jesus, we have a king of our own, the one man who could have had the adoration of the entire world. And yet he took the place, our place, as the scum of the earth, he became poor and powerless in human sin so that we could become free from fear and full of faith. Let's pray together. God, we're again grateful for your word and the deep truths that it contains. We just ask for your help. Uh, we confess that we do fear the wrong things, uh, that we, our lives aren't in full obedience to yours and full submission to yours. And that sadly, we put our faith in stuff or we put our faith in ourselves, honestly, and the ability to control our circumstances and dictate our own future. Help us uh, to return to our first love, to return to you, to return to the one who brings us life and to put our faith completely in you, to trust fully in you, that even when times are hard, even when we feel like the outcast, even when people look down on us or dismiss us uh, because of our allegiance to you, just reassure us that that way is still the way of life. I pray that as today's reading and reflections roll around in our heads today, that you would uh, speak to us, that you would give us each a word of grace, a way forward uh, to um, trust you more, to love you more, to rely on you. Um, for everything that we need. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.